satellite. That's what Christ was preaching. The kingdom of God was at hand. It was within your reach. You were to repent and seek it. For some reason or other, people think that the kingdom of God is where you go when you die, even though Christ said it was for the living and not for the dead. He actually appointed a kingdom. He says to the apostles, I appoint unto you a kingdom. He, he even said earlier that it was his good pleasure to give to the little flock a kingdom. The little flock, not to everybody, but to the little flock. Why the little flock? What was the qualifications of being a part of that little flock? Being a minister of Christ. Now, we are all ministers in the kingdom. We minister one to each other. Everybody has a job. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a part in the whole of the body of Christ in the kingdom of God. But there were very clearly some ministers he took aside and told the secrets and mysteries of Babylon and the mysteries of the kingdom and how it worked, how it worked then and how it works today. Most people are unaware of how it works today. They don't understand the kingdom. They don't understand the way in which the kingdom is to uh, be a part of our lives. They have been given a watered-down gospel so that they could be re-entangled in the bondage of the world. They are not living just in the world, but they are very much living of the world. They actually pray to the world for their daily bread. They pray to men who call themselves benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. And Christ said not to be that way. Yet there we are. We're that way. People are on social welfare in one form or another for almost everybody everybody in in the system today. Uh, I hope somebody will answer that. <laughs> I guess they did. Um, the, uh, the, the, the thing with the kingdom is that it actually has a functioning nature to keep us in the world, but not of it. It actually has services that need to be provided by men, men of a certain status and stature within the kingdom. Not a superior stature, not a superior position, but one of service, because Christ came to serve, and so therefore your ministers should serve also. If the ministers in your local church were serving you the way Christ intended, you would be a free people today, and you are not a free people today. So what were they doing? What were the qualifications of those ministers that were to lead you out of bondage and into the liberty of Christ? 
so that you could stand fast in the liberty of Christ and no longer be entangled in the world, which is where you are today. How did that system of self-government work? There were taxes in the kingdom of heaven. You taxed yourself. Someone else did not kick in your door and tax you and force you to contribute at the point of a gun because we do not take up the sword to operate our government. But yes, it is a government. And those of you who have been on the Living Network and uh, part of that received an email just recently, most of you should have, uh, that had to do with uh, international law and sovereignty. And those of you who were on that network and did not get it, get a hold of your contact minister and say, why didn't I get that one on international law and international uh, self-determination? Because this is a very important part of the kingdom because this is why Christians were persecuted is because they were actually a separate government. They weren't Greek. They weren't Jew. They weren't... Uh, uh, any other government but Christ. These are the ones who did contrary to the decrees of Caesar, not breaking the law, but in accordance with the law, because the law was nailed to the cross, and the law that was nailed to the cross stated unquestionably that Jesus Christ was king of the citizens of Judea. Now, every citizen of Judea did not want to become a part of that kingdom, and Christ would not force them into it. It was a different kind of kingdom. It was one based on liberty, the perfect law of liberty. So therefore, there were many Pharisees who wanted to continue the government that was created by Herod and the Hasmoneans, and they wanted to keep their entitlement programs going and their forced taxation going by Christ. And John the Baptist said, no, we're going to do it by faith, hope, and charity. And the ministers that Christ picked had to understand that. They were not to be like the princes of the Gentiles. So Christ literally appointed the apostles as princes of a kingdom, rulers of a kingdom, but not rulers of men. He came to set men free. Now this is a really peculiar concept uh, today because if someone says government, you think power. I mean, it's like that what, the Rockshaw test and stuff, you know, where they do the word game, um, where they... They say a word, and you say a word. And they say another word, and you say another word. And that gives them an insight into what and how your brain thinks. So if I say government, you think power. Why don't I say government, and you think service? If I say government, why don't you think love? If I say uh, taxes, why don't you think contribution, free will contribution? Because in Israel, for hundreds of years... The only taxes they had were free will contributions. Yeah, you were supposed to pay the, the Levites, but nobody kicked in your door if you didn't. It even says in the Bible, you tithe to them according to their service. No service, no tithing. And it was tithing not because they, you owed them 10%, but because there were 10 families in every congregation. And so therefore, a share of the congregation's wealth, income, was shared with its government, its ministry, which was the Levites. 
How'd you get elected as a Levite? Well, you were a Levite partially by birth and uh, partially by training because you could be adopted into a Levite family and be from the tribe of Reuben or the tribe of Benjamin. Adoption was a way in which you could become a part of another tribe. It's kind of like an apprenticeship program. You join that family and that father who was a good Levite trained you up. And now you were a Levite. Very common. Very simple. Not a bloodline, but a purpose. The word liturgy today comes from the Greek word liturgy, which actually meant public service. Public service. Not a service in the public, but a public service. Helping and serving the people. Somewhere along the line, it went from serving the people to giving them a crumb of bread and uh, and preaching at them and singing songs and all those things, and the church became superfluous. It didn't have the service that it once had. It was not the social welfare system of Christ, appointed by Christ to keep the people free. It actually became a religion in the sense of the one of the... Uh, Latin words for religion, superstitio, and became more involved in rituals and superstition uh, rather than the actual physical service. I mean, Christ didn't say, imagine that I am washing your feet. He actually got down and washed your feet. Imagine that I have set you free while you remain in bondage to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. He actually set them free. They actually had to exercise responsibility and take care of one another. When there were famines and dearths in the land, they didn't get to go to Rome and apply for benefits. Now, it's, you know, there are many, many quotes in the Bible that are so misunderstood that you couldn't cover it all in an eight-hour show, much less a one-hour show. One of the things is that it says they owned all things in common. Who owned all things in common? Christ came to return every man to his position and every man to his family. They didn't own all things in common. They were being set free. But the apostles owned all things in common. Barnabas owned all things in common when he, as a Levite, sold land and laid it at the foot of the apostles and became a part of this apostle little flock ministerial group with an apostolic presence in the world, but not of the world. Now, when they received the contribution, it was no longer under the authority of Rome. It was sacrosanct. Augustus had ruled that. All the emperors recognized that. Even before Constantine, property that had belonged to the church, what we call the church today, but not what we see as the church today, but that, that's the way the word is translated in the Bible, Ecclesia not a proper noun. It means called out. It's a, it's a common noun. It's describing what the apostles were, which were ambassadors. That's what apostle means. For a government. And you were a citizen of that government. Living in the world, but not of the world. You had documentation to prove that you were a Christian. And you could go in and out the gates with impunity. 
and travel from country to country with large sums of money in order to help out the needy in communities as those needs rose. And the sums of money and provisions came from groups of Christians gathered together in a tight network of, with union and discipline based upon love, not a binding contract. Now, if you form a congregation, is your congregation incorporated? Well, now you are of the state. If you file a 1023, you are of the IRS. The IRS now can strictly regulate you. That's what they say. Because you are no longer a church, you're a religious organization. You can't even incorporate in the state of Oregon unless you incorporate as a religious organization. The IRS considers that a vast difference between a religious organization and a church. You need ministers who are separate to protect and serve the people by the contributions of the people for the purpose of maintaining the freedom and liberty of the people. So that is what Christ was doing with instituting government. He says, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you, talking to the Pharisees. He had set up a system of Corbin that made the word of God to none effect, was exercising authority, putting rules on the people, arresting people when they didn't contribute to the church, which was the government. The temple was a government building. That's where you went to get your social welfare. And all the little synagogues that were incorporated to the temple provided those social welfare uh, uh, entitlements. So that was the liturgy of the Pharisees, and it's become the liturgy of the modern church. The modern church says, oh, we don't actually give you bread. We just give you a little crumb, a little wafer. If you really want any bread, which is what they were passing out at the first century church during times of famine and shortage, those that had shared with those that didn't, you have to go to benefactors who exercise authority and bring you into bondage. You can take your sons and daughters and the first fruits of your labor and the best of your fields. I don't know what you don't get about that. So I was trying early this morning to finish up the book, Higher Liberty. I think I've just about got it. I might have to put one more page in there on Mystery Babylon. But it'll have to wait till I get back because I'm off to uh, Northern Oregon to uh, talk with some people up there, a church congregation for me. You have to form your congregations. I'm not going to do that for you. You have to come together and establish the, uh, that you are a part of the network, a part of the living chain of individuals, the uh, uh, chain of authentication that establishes, it, establishes you as a church. Some of you will become ordained ministers of Christ. Now, I don't ordain you, Christ does. But you have to have in your nature a, 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 an idea of conformity to Christ. Conforming to this idea of being a public servant. Now you have to have the humblest of hearts to do this. You may seem, you know, that was one of the problems the apostles were always considered to be arrogant. But the fact is that they were really servants. 
They were serving thousands upon thousands of people in a chain network bound by love and caring, not by hate of government. We do not hate the government. God so loved the world, and used the word there that meant faith, that he gave his only begotten son that it might be saved. For that cause he came into the world. That's why he came in to say, I am the king. Thou sayest that I am the king. The people said it, I am the king. The three wise men said it, I am the king. Shepherds said it, I was the king. Angels said I was the king. The only one who can't seem to figure it out is modern Christians. You, your nationality should be Christian. should be the nationality of the kingdom of God, the nationality of righteousness. That is what Christianity was about. And it had its ministers, it had its ambassadors, it had a network of men. You seek and find out who you believe to be ordained of God, and you pick him as a minister, and you support him, and he becomes health, education, and welfare. He becomes your social insurance agent. And he binds himself together with love, with other men like himself, so that if your congregation cannot meet its own needs, you have a network to reach out to practice the liturgy of Christ, the public service of Christ, to others who will support your needs according to faith, hope, and charity. Now, as we see the governments of the world, which are a mammon, a trust, that's what mammon means, entrusted wealth. It can mean money, because certainly Federal Reserve notes are a form of mammon, because they're entrusted wealth. You don't have the wealth. They got it. And they give you a piece of paper that's supposed to represent it. Except you've been bankrupt since 1933. And they're not going to give you any gold and silver for your notes. Foreign countries could, but most of them have opted out, too, because they all have Federal Reserve systems as well. They've all cast their gold and silver into the city coffers of the Federal Reserve. They don't have any more gold and silver. Even the, the people who are citizens of the United States who have some gold stashed away somewhere or silver. They don't have lawful title to it. Public Law 95-147, I think it is. Memory, I may be wrong on that, but in about October 1977, I think. You, you can't own gold and silver with a lawful right, only a legal title, which means you don't have the beneficial interest of that gold and silver. Therefore, you cannot buy the beneficial interest of property with that gold and silver. New World Order is here already, and it's not all that new, and there's not that much order to it, but it does follow certain rules, and most people don't know what they are. The book Covenants of the Gods shows you how you become property of the state, merchandise. Through covetousness, you become merchandise. Okay, now how do you get out of that? Well, how did people get out of that in the past? I kingdom come. Go through that step by step and tells you how to get out of that system 
in the way that Abraham did, in the way that Moses did, and really in the way that Christ did. Their free church report starts talking about how to specifically do that. You know, and I've asked on the Living Network and on the network, uh, been challenging the contact ministers, what's the plan? What can you actually do? And I've gotten a number of answers, and kind of, you know, it's like uh, I was talking to one contact minister, and I said that, okay, how, how do you get to L.A. from here? Well, you get in your car, and you drive down there. Well, no, I mean, how, how do you actually get there? Well, you you get on the highway, and you and you head towards L.A. until you get there. Well, you know, that's the principle. Okay, I got it. You get on the road, and you go there. But how do you go there? What are the specific instructions? Uh, do you go down 299 and then take I-5 and then you hit weed, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera? Um, what is the specific plan? And if you wanted to do this in convoy, and we have a retreat coming up in September, the latter part of September, and some people are talking about coming from as far away as Australia or, or uh, New York. Well, uh, if you're going to be driving all the way across the U.S., we should convoy. We should meet up with other people as you come across, and therefore you need a plan. What road are you going to take? What, what day are you going to be at such and such a location so that if so-and-so is coming from Kansas, they can join up with you? And, yeah, it will be a small gathering, um, maybe maybe 100 people, maybe 500 people. I don't know. How big do you want it to be? Do you want lots of people to come? Then you have to reach out. We do not have a large paid staff. Actually, I was talking to somebody who works, uh, who actually is uh, uh, one of his family members, is part of the Burning Man uh, phenomenon. Uh, and they start working on getting the news out about that. I mean, thousands, tens of thousands of people come to the Burning Man. Well, we could pile up brush and we can have the Burning Bush. Uh, and you could come there. And uh, we got a thousand acres you could camp on. Uh, but it takes a lot of union and discipline, organization to do that. We do not have a big organization. You are our organization. This is grassroots. If you want it to happen, you have to get together with other people and make it happen. It's doers of the work. You go read that in John, uh, where it talks about uh, God so loved the world. You read the next verse and the verse after that and see what it says. It's talking about doers again. Not hearers alone, but doers of the work. So if you want the liturgy of Christ, the public service of Christ, you have to provide that public service. You have to come together. And you have to, people need that communion, that interaction on an individual basis. So you need to form those congregations of record. But at the same time, you're not, not to lose sight of the larger group, the larger purpose, the concept of the kingdom. And that's why we keep records, to keep track, because memories fade and people forget about so-and-so because they don't see them daily. And so, therefore, you need to work at it. That's why they had the feast, so that the people would get together and not forget about the people on the far corners of their country. 
And the fact is, is Israel was not just that little local area there. It was all over the world. Uh, there were Israelites living in Ireland and in France and everywhere. And so that's all a part of how the kingdom works. And we've got a number of different projects. Now, how does someone who comes out of the world make a living? How do they survive in a world when they're separate from the world? Because the world is demanding that you be a part of a government. You're listening to FirstAmendmentRadio.com worldwide. Freedom is never free. We need your support today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Since the beginning of time, kings have sought it. Nations have fought for it. It has been traded. It has been borrowed. It has been purchased. It has been stolen. There's a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188 or visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom and regular guest, world-renowned economist Robert Chapman, right here on FirstAmendmentRadio.com at 4 p.m. Eastern or 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, 1-800-375-4188. If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or... War of Federal Aggression. John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Pass Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free, or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. Get this DVD presentation for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Call... 559-781-3773. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Hi, Nicholas here. I used to lug those big jugs to the market to fill with water from those coin-operated filter machines. 25 cents a gallon or 5 gallons for a buck. I used to. Then I got the big Berkey. Now I saved my back and hundreds of dollars too. I was paying $600 for the same 3,000 gallons of water that a pair of black Berkey filters will provide from my own tap for only $99. This means that your Berkey water system will entirely pay for itself with only 1,500 gallons of use. And then you will still have 1,500 gallons left before you need to replace the filters. Do the math. Stop throwing your money away at bottled water and filter dispensers that may or may not be delivering as promised. For a limited time, 
First Amendment Radio is offering 10% off on the most popular Berkey water systems. Visit the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call us at 559-781-3773 for more information. Leave your name and address and we'll send you this special offer. Do it now. First Amendment Radio is an authorized distributor of Berkey products. So if you aren't on our Kingdom News list, you need to get on the Kingdom News list. If you're not on the Living Network, you need to get on to the Living Network. You need to become a part of that network by picking a contact minister. Uh, Some people don't like the word contact minister, team leader they want to use. These are all prejudices that are created in our own mind. We have to get beyond that and try to find out what is that we are actually talking about. We use these words, but we are a lot more subject to these words than we realize. Uh, like the word church. You know, I had a hard time even using the word church. I was so disappointed in what the church had become. I had been trained up in, in the ministry. I had gone to the seminary, and I found out that even though I was reading the Bible and hearing a particular message, when I discovered that other people were not hearing the same message, that they were actually involved in a, a cult-type vanity program where we are the ministers and you are the poor people, uh, pedestal-type approach to religionity. Uh, I was very disappointed. Uh, that doesn't mean that all those men were bad people. People are complex, and there's a certain amount of vanity in all of us. There's a certain amount of pride. There's a certain amount of... Uh, pomp and pedestal pumping uh, that goes on amongst everybody but you have to let that go it will kill you it will destroy you it will blind you it will uh, corrupt you Uh, and to know how that is if if you really are what you say you are is are you really honest when you say you will do something will you do it? Because if you don't, then you are not like Christ. You know, that's what the centurion, you know, who actually was very sympathetic to the Jews, may have even become a Jew himself, uh, how that man saw that he was a man of authority. If I say, go do this, I know it will get done because the people that work with me and for me do what they say. Christ made a big point of that, the two sons. You know, go do this. Yes, I'll go do it. But the other one says, no, I won't. But then later on, the one that said he wouldn't ended up doing it, and the one that said he would ended up not doing it. Which one was the one that was the good son? We have to become doers of not only God's word, but our own word. So we have to become somebody who actually pursues diligently what it is that we are meant to do and what we say we will do. So there's a, that's an important sign if you see somebody seeking the kingdom. We need more ministers, ordained ministers, apostles, ambassadors to Christ. 
But who is really doing that? I mean, we create these new theologies. Oh, well, you can't have any of their ID, and you, you can't do any of these things. And, and, of course, that may be a direction that a minister is going in. But the critical thing, and, and Jesus had a hard time getting this across to his apostles, is that you become servants of the people because you wish to be a servant of God. It's not about getting out of the other system. It's about getting into the way of Christ, which is service to others. That is really preaching the kingdom, to be doers of the word so that others might be free, to be that government of God instead of the government of the world. I see so many people who think they have separated themselves and cannot seem to come together, except in vague uh, brotherhoods that don't actually have to do anything for each other, and which are often uh, homes for liars and often thieves who have not been uh, friends to the unrighteous mammon. They skulked away with large fortunes, hiding them from, uh, because they did not actually leave by the gate. They put on the, all the tra uh, tapestry or uh, the, the, the garments and vestments of a minister. They put it on from the outside, and they play a role that, oh, I am a minister of God. But they're actually self-serving. And, and you can find this out because eventually they will lie to you. Straight to your face, they will lie to you. And uh, if you're as clever as us, you'll get it on tape. <laughs> and so that there will be no question if anybody ever has the courage to bring it up is that they actually lie. They uh, actually are deceivers. They've, and the best deceivers are those who deceive themselves. There are a lot of pitfalls in this. There's a lot of people that would like to see you fail in seeking the kingdom. So you need, you need a certain amount of ministers that are going to go out there and do that will of, of God and be that minister of Christ and that true ambassador that is so loves the world that he's willing to give his life that others might be saved. That is one of the prerequisites of a minister. Now, he also has to sell all he has. That's right, all his property. He cannot own any personal estate. You see, this way back in the first century church, it's well known even before that, because the Levites all did that. They had no personal estate. They church-owned property in common. Now, how do you do that without becoming an unincorporated association? And that is a trick. You see, most congregations who don't incorporate are still unincorporated associations, whether they say so or not. And so you have to do things a certain way in order to not be give the appearance of being an unincorporated association because that would give him the appearance of evil because you're not really the body of Christ if you're an unincorporated association. 
And there's only a couple things that are required in order to prevent that from becoming the appearance that you give to the world. You need records, yes, and you need that the offerings are entirely given up. And if you entirely give them up, you have to give them up to an individual. That's right, an individual. Kingdom is composed of individuals. And I use that word individual, uh, you know, several different meanings, but you're actually the ordained ministers of Christ are persons, persons of Christ. They've given up their personal estate and become persons of Christ. Absolutely essential because we're all sinners. So you have to do that. So that when you give a contribution, you give to an individual. Now that individual may bind himself with other brothers in what we call a congregation of ministers or an order. That order must be autonomous and it is like a family. That's why they call it a brotherhood. Ten men are brothers with a common father. So you don't want just one order, you want lots of orders, lots of those congregations. And those congregations bind themselves together again, but again, only with love, forming that network. Now, how do you keep that network from becoming an unincorporated association? And this is the mystery. When you give something, you must give it up entirely. When one order gives to another member of another order, he must give it up entirely. When the congregation gives to his minister, he must give it up entirely. It must be a burnt offering. That is the secret of the kingdom of heaven. If you still have control over what you give, it is not uh, given up entirely. Even a semblance of control. You don't give it to a board, you don't give it to a group, you don't give it to an association, you don't give it to a corporation, you give it to an individual, and that individual must decide whether he is part of a brotherhood or not, and that brotherhood must decide. And by their witness, by their mutual witness, by their chain of authentication through two or more witnesses, it is established. But it has to be real. It has to be real. And people do not understand how this works. Uh, it, it's, it's complicated, but yet it's very simple. Once you see it, you go like, how did I miss that? That's what he's talking about. You must sell all you have to be one of my disciples. He's not talking about everybody seeking the kingdom. He's talking about those specific little flock ministers. And the fact is, is, if you do that, the law in countries all over the world recognize the nature and extent of the work you do, no matter what it is, whether you're a tent maker or whatever, it's immaterial. It's not trade or business. It's the kingdom of God. And the property that those orders hold belongs to God. And it's untaxable. It's separate. It's in the world, but not of the world. They recognize this. They have recognized it for 2,000 years. Unfortunately, the only men who know about this, generally speaking, are absolutely willing to deliver you into bondage. 
They're, they want to live their comfortable, powerful lives while you go to benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. The purpose of the orders is to maintain the gate of the kingdom. Not a vast treasury, but a network of that may circulate the blood of the people who eat of the blood of Christ and the flesh of Christ, which is the flesh of love to carry and charity. In the days to come, you will need such a system in place, ready to go, because there will be great needs that come up. You need to develop your own economy. You have a congregation of 10 families in a town. And there's another congregation of 10 families over here, and another one over there, and another one out of town a ways, and another one quite a ways out of town. Some of those are farmers, and some of those are carpenters, and some of those are doctors, and some of those are nurses, and some of those are mechanics, and some of those are engineers. But as they become they come into communion with this common purpose of Christ to set men free to love one another, to worship God in our doing, not just with the words of our mouth. Then when things are bad, you can call upon this brother who raises wheat out in the country or has a dairy out in the country. And when you go there, you will not come empty-handed because you will have learned skills. You will have your goodly young men and daughters. And they will be able to help one another, house one another. And uh, and you may need tents. <laughs> I always used to tease people. I says, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm sure it's going to be intense. Uh, well, of course, there's two, I could be saying two different things there. Intense, this is a, a, a very intense situation, which it will be. Or you could be actually N-T-E-N-T-S's, tense, because populations will have to suddenly move. So, of course, as Paul did and needed to do, because thousands, tens of thousands of Christians were kicked out of Rome, the city, and had to go out and live in other places, they needed tents. They needed dwellings. They needed places to live inside of while they were arranging to survive to the next day. And, of course, they were putting them up in the backyards of other Christians. And they, this is one of the important things. Otherwise, you start dying from elements. Uh, your children, your, your wives, your old uh, people, they need to be sheltered. And there's only so many people you can get into a house out in some farm rural area. So you need tents. So we've started making tents. Just last night we put up yurtcity.com. And uh, uh, we still have a lot of work to do on it. And we'll be doing that over the next week. But we are manufacturing yurts, tents. And we may make other kinds of tents, too. And the nature and extent of that work is not employment because it's within the order, the order of white rock. Uh, here in Summer Lake, which is operating through his church at Summer Lake. 
All this is explained in the uh, Free Church Report, the technicalities of it. But we need people that are willing to work in that direction. And actually, and we have other plans if we can, uh, if the tent sell, uh, we'll take that money and roll it back in to start other uh, enterprises for the church. So that we become self-supporting and become helpful to you in service to you, the people. It's a busy place here. Uh, this is the uh, this is the plan is that these orders develop everywhere congregations develop everywhere they are linked together they meet together at the different feasts they get to know each other they form alliances to their sons and daughters marrying others we have the unnumbered forum children are being raised up all over the country never getting the number uh, because their parents thought there's something wrong with that. I don't like that. And they've actually remained separate. And with the help of the church, that doesn't have to be a burden. And that's part of that transition, learning to live in the world but not of the world. We have been taught to look to the world, the state, for everything, for every aspect of our life. And we need to stop looking there and start looking to the kingdom, which is... Uh, a citizenry of God that seeks to do everything in a righteous way. Church, chapel, congregation, these are all terms. You could say ecclesia, uh, you know, I, I don't know what you... You know, the, the Levites serve the tents of the congregation, the tabernacle of the congregation, same word. If they put the word tents there, that would mean the home of each individual family. They were the government of God. They were the ministers of his kingdom. And you didn't have to wait four years to elect a new one. If he wasn't doing a good job, you stopped contributing to him and look for a new one right now. It was instantaneous government. But it was a government of free people who, when they gave to that minister, they gave entirely, and he had to choose how to use that. And you developed a track record of knowing what his choices are and you say this guy I can support because he is really working to set me free to keep me free to keep my children free and my grandchildren free he's not in this for his crystal cathedrals or his comfortable car he's in this because he really believes in the gospel of Jesus Christ and he wants to return every man to his possessions and every man to his family. That's the ministers you're looking for. That's the ministers we're looking for to try to bring them together to serve one another. They can take criticism. They can, they can accept the fact that other men have another opinion. They don't need someone to scratch their back. They are self-made men. They are independent thinkers. They are determined to know the truth and do that truth in their life. They don't need you to say, you're really smart, you're really nice, you're really a great guy. 
you can actually criticize them and they will listen to you and hear you and not become angry. An amazing concept. They may disagree with you, but if you can't disagree amongst yourselves and still remain friends, what is the problem? Where is Christ in that? Peter denied Christ and he was praying for him. He wasn't angry. He wasn't stomping off with his toys. Well, we're just not going to have anything to do with you, Peter, anymore. We pray that you will return and become a part of us and not deny us. And, of course, eventually Peter was the one who stood right in front of the Pharisees and said, uh, you are the ones that crucified Christ. Holy. Where did he get that courage? From the Holy Spirit. When you start to take this journey, you will drop the baggage that's keeping Christ from you. It will become burdensome, and you will start leaving what is unnecessary behind and take with you what is necessary, which is love for one another and love for God and righteousness and weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. You will want to form congregations, and you will want to make a record because those records are the states in the ground that will keep you separate from the world. The uh, contact ministers uh, should know each other, and at gatherings in your local area, whether you're in Wisconsin or Texas or whatever, you should all come together and know one another and learn more about one another. Not set your private agendas. Our agenda is the kingdom, and kingdom means everybody. Everybody seeking the kingdom. We are not going to create our little comfortable congregation. Now, there's a great deal I could talk about that I'm not going to talk about because you need the motivation in your heart to come together. When the time is right, you will see more people. I, I was telling the contact ministers they were exchanging uh, little data bases of everybody's uh, information, and they really shouldn't do that. Uh, you know, where they put it all in one file and pass it around amongst them. No, each of them should create their own list of people that are contact ministers by calling them, up by writing them directly and getting that information and exchanging it on a personal basis, not passing around a data sheet. And it's pretty small right now, so it's not going to make a big difference, but it, as things grow, you do not want to have all those names on one list. You, your list must be organic. It must be created by your enthusiasm, by your reaching out to others by your personal conversation with the conversation of others, mingling your ideas, your thoughts, your voice, your hand with theirs. Because that creates relationships. Data sheets do not. They also make the job too easy for the world. Who will hate us. But I want them to hate us because we are doing their job better than they are doing it. 
that's what we need. We need to be exceeding their righteousness. They do take care of a lot of people. Yeah, they do it by force, by the forcing the contributions, but they do. We don't. So forming these orders and um, forming these congregations is an essential thing, and we go through that in Thy Kingdom Come, and uh, I have to take off immediately after the show today, but uh, we can talk about these things on talk show uh, every week. Uh, we can start turning this into a call-in program on a pretty regular basis. If the ministers want to call in and talk on a particular subject, they can call in, and uh, and then that will become a part of the uh, these resources we have uh, to help teach other people how this works. Uh, on page 11 of this copy of the Free Church Report, we talk about unincorporated association. Uh, the page prior to that, we talked about conversations in heaven. Those conversations in heaven, uh, the word there is the administration of civil affairs a form of government and the laws by which it is administered. Polytoma in Philip, Philippians 120. There's so much we need to relearn. And we hope we will help you do that in the days to come on the key of the kingdom. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.